out of all the names of God that we've done, one of the most comfortable or common names. Um, when we talk about Father, I mean, God is Father. And I almost thought when people are coming in going like, oh, I know this one, you know, because we do. I mean, there's not anybody in here that's going to be, we, we call out to God as Father. You're going to be like, well, well, yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like Christianity 101. That's like prayer 101. That's at the beginning of it. But uh, it's, it's, it goes deeper than that because in the Old Testament, they didn't. They referenced him as father, and I'll, I'll explain that here in a minute. And they referred to him as father, and there was an illustration of him as father, but they did not have the relationship with God as father. And then you have to step back and say, well, why didn't they? Because God is the heavenly father, and we'll explain that. So it connects us to God in such a way that is far different than the Old Testament. And, and, and like Sharice was saying, it, it, because it ties into a relationship, because the name... Lord of hosts is like awesome when it comes to war. But the Lord of hosts name is not going to make me feel like I could like run and wrap my arms around him. You know what I'm saying? Because he's that warrior that fights for me. And that's powerful when I'm going up against enemies and opposition. I mean, we all know that. I'm, man, I serve the Lord of hosts and he brings down giants. But if I, if I am broken and I need someone to call out to in prayer or go to that secret place, the word father wraps my mind around the image of God in a whole different level. So uh, let, let's walk through this. And, and it's a lot of verses. So unlike the other studies, um, uh, Romans 8 will, will kind of be in for a little bit, but it's not like we're doing an expositional study like we did like 1 Samuel chapter 17 when we were doing the other. So it's a little different in the concept. We moved our chairs around in here to get everybody away from the wall. So, all right. So let me show you, uh, we, we see Jesus in the Gospels teaching, and, and this, this is a common reference and, and thing. So let me, let me show you this. So, it, and, and for you, you're like, we know this, but I'm showing you that Jesus is the one introducing this, okay? So in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus was saying, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That is the first time Jesus references your Father in heaven and in his ministry, so you can imagine for them, they'd be like, what? You know, like, what did he say? Did he just, you know, and, and it was in the Old Testament, but not in the way he was introducing it. He said in Matthew 5, 45, a few verses later, that ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. Okay, Matthew 5, 48, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Matthew 6, 9, the next chapter, after this manner, therefore you pray, our Father which art in heaven, approachable in this way, when you have a conversation with God. And, and like we were saying a minute ago about the name Father is so relational, that's why Jesus, when it came to prayer, went to him and says, not just our God or Elohim or Jehovah God, he said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He dressed it straight with the connection of the relationship. Uh, did they know God as Father? Well, they knew Him as Creator. They knew Him as Master. They, but Father, I want to show you God as Father in the Old Testament. So God as Father in the Old Testament was very present. I'm going to pull out some, a number of verses that kind of demonstrate this. See, God in the Old Testament was often used in prophecy. It was used as illustration. It was used as analogy. It was used as a visual, but not necessarily as a relationship. So, like in Isaiah 9, 6, when this was prophecy. For unto you a child is born, and unto you a son is given. 
and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and, the name, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. All of these we know, the Everlasting Father. That's Jesus, God made flesh, coming to us, and he was tying it into the Trinity and tying it in the teaching, tying it into the relationship that he was. The other times in the Old Testament was used is like, uh, not necessarily as a title, as I call him Heavenly Father, but it was used as an illustration. And like Psalm 103, verse 13, like as, so it's that comparison, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Uh, in, in Psalms 89, verse 26, he shall cry unto me, thou art my father, my God, the rock of my salvation. But still not the intimate connection of that. In Isaiah 64, verse 8, but now, O Lord, thou art our father. And even father, because of the fact that he was uh, the father over the children of Israel, or he was the ruler over the children of Israel, but not in the relationship of prayer or connection or intimacy. In Jeremiah 30, 31, verse 9, And they shall come with weeping and with supplications will I lead them. And I will cause them to walk in the rivers of waters in straightway, wherein they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel. And so this is repeated all the time through here. But in the New Testament, you also have the illustration of father. And you guys know this. When Jesus was teaching, he said, You are your father, the devil. Now, it was an illustration of that, but Satan's not the father. It was an illustration of that. So we see it in the Old Testament. So if you say, Pastor Tony, God as father was definitely in the Old Testament. I'm going to totally agree with you, but not in the connection, not in the relationship, and not in the intimacy of what we're about to see. So what made the change? What made it to where we have this idea of this new covenant? What changed everything? And the simple word is what? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus changed everything. And, and I think it's important for us to see that we don't see it in the Old Testament because we, we don't have Jesus. We don't have forgiveness. We, we were still separated in the Old Testament. So let's make it personal. He is our Heavenly Father. So this will be more a doctrinal study as we go through this more than it will be uh, a study of more of um, uh, the story like when we did Lord of Hosts or a Abraham and Isaac and Jehovah Jireh and you know those were more we tell the story we pull the principle because at the end of it Hagar reached out and you said you are Elroy the God who sees me and it's like oh but this in the New Testament besides the life of Jesus Christ we don't have the story we have the doctrinal teaching explaining how we were so far off and yet God brought us together in this. See, Jesus is the one that made us to be able to have the relationship with our Heavenly Father. So in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. So he made it very clear, and Jesus was explaining this. He said, if you want to know to have access, he, he is the door. You want to get to the Heavenly Father. If you want the relationship, even in prayer, uh, Him being our advocate, it's, it's Jesus Christ. He made the way. He overcame sin. And this is why He had uh, the Father in the Old Testament being so distant, because they didn't have Jesus. This explains it really well in Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes were made afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Verse 18, through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. There it is. It's like we have access to the Father now. So the, the thing is, uh, we are so spoiled, guys, in, our, in the church age today. We are so blessed to be able to 
bow our heads and cry out and say, Dear Heavenly Father, or you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. To be able to have that relationship is huge. It's epically huge because we have access to him in this way. So I wrote this out in your notes. Through the Gospels, we learn about God as our Heavenly Father. So in Matthew, it's mentioned 44 times. In Mark, it's only five. In Luke, it's 17 times. Look at John, 122 times. God is referenced as Heavenly Father in that passage. And, and obviously, if you go back in John and his relationship and everything, that made sense because it was very relational. But through the Gospels, we learn about Jesus. But through Jesus, we have the illustration because Jesus didn't just say, you have a Heavenly Father. What did Jesus do every time they, they, he was approached about everything? What, where did he send the glory? God the Father. He was always up. What, what did he do when he prayed? My Father. What did, what did he do that when he was doing a miracle or whatever? He'd be like, my father, bless this, Lord. Help me, Lord. I do it for the father. I'm here on the say the father. So Jesus, even though he was, look at John 10, 30, I and my father are one. So he's not discrediting the, the Trinity. He's not saying, um, you know, that, that, that I'm not the father or, you know, it's the Trinity or the three in one. But he was living his life as an illustration for us to go and head to uh, or pray to our Heavenly Father. He was constantly using that illustration of that. Jesus was illustrating the relationship that he had. So Jesus came as not just Jesus, but he came as what is the name that we know him as in the New Testament? The Son of God. I'm the Son of God. We know him as that Father, and we are the children of God. So he illustrates that. So let me show you Jesus demonstrating uh, his, his relationship through the entire, his entire life. At the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry, and he runs off and Mary and Joseph go looking for him, and he's 12 years old, and what did he say when they find him? And he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. So he made it very clear at the very beginning of his ministry. He says, you know, you don't understand this, but I, I've got a mission that I'm doing. I've got to be around my, about my father's business. When he prayed, he said, After this manner, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And this was communication directly to his father. Not, not, not that they had to go to the priest. They didn't have to make sacrifice. It was different. John 5, 43, he says, I have come in my father's name. Literally, everything that I do, I represent. Now, uh, how many of you guys in here have an odd last name? Raise your hand if you've got just a pe peculiar last name. Okay, Peratz, definitely. Yeah, you guys definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, you, we relate with that. Liuta is an odd last name. Okay. Uh, so when I grew up in a little town in Alabama, and, and I would go somewhere, and my dad uh, did construction. Uh, he was really involved in the community. He went all over the place. If, or if there was a tire shop in town, my dad knew them. If there was a you know, the, the uh, Ace Hardware and all those kind of places that we would go on a regular basis, they knew that. So then when I would start doing stuff and they'd say, what's your name, Tony Lee? And so they oh, I know your dad. You know, they, they, didn't, they didn't have to ask. And, you know, you're, when, as soon as they heard Liuzzo and things like that. So it was, it was a matter of I was tied to the name of Jesus. I, I, tied, okay, let me back up. <laughs> My illustration got ahead of me. <laughs> I was tied to the name of Liuzzo, and, and I identified. And so everything that Jesus was doing, he was doing glorifying the family, glorifying his father, pointing to his father. He said in John 5, 43, I am come in my father's name. 
you have received me not. What was he saying? If you've, re if you've rejected God, you've rejected me. If you reject me, you reject God. It, it, was, it was a very unique name. It was very neat that God was illustrating this. It brings identity. It brings connection. You guys get what I'm saying with this? Jesus was our illustration. Father brings connection. Father brings identity. Now, when we get into Ro uh, Revelation, or Revelation, Romans, we'll illustrate this even more. Jesus goes and prays in the garden. And who does he cry out to in the garden? And he says, now, O Father, glorify thou me, that thy own self will glorify which I had with thee before the world was. He identifies himself with the Father, but he cries out to him as Father. This is, this is awesome, but I want to take it to the next level. Because we're not talking about just Jesus or God as Father. We, we are talking about the names of God, so we're talking about Abba Father. So let's, let's break this down. Four times it's mentioned about Abba Father. And, um, and this is the personal connection that we have to God. It's, it's the... We say that you can boldly come before the throne of grace, that you can say anything before. If you guys know the tabernacle and the, uh, the wall that was before them and the Shekinah of glory, and you guys know what I'm saying, did they boldly walk into that room? No. What, what, give me the description of what that was like of what we learn in the Bible. I mean, if they weren't right with God, what would happen? They would die. <laughs> they, were, yeah, they would die. That doesn't like, oh, let's go. You know, it's like... That's a lot of like, I don't know, you know, it was like they had a rope tied around their leg. Does anybody know why they had a rope? To pull them out in case they did die. You know, I mean, that, that, not a comforting thing. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, the last time that you got alone to pray with God, did any of you like do it like, you know, I'm going to go in the prayer closet and kids take this rope. Dad, what's that for? You know. <laughs> Just in case I had a bad week last week and I said some things that I should have said and I don't know, you know, I mean, we don't have that. You know what I'm saying? It's completely changed. So for us to be able to teach this in this light, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like not for not for the teaching of what he's illustrating, like to have that access to God and then be able to call him father was a big deal to call him Abba Father. Let me explain this. Galatians 4.4, 4, but when, we, when the fullness of time was come, that even demonstrates that God had a plan from the very beginning to redeem us. When the fullness of time was come, when, when it came to the point where God was, when the illustration of the Old Testament, the depravity of man was there, when the fullness of God has come, God sent forth His Son, made of woman, literally not of the sin of man, did not pass down the seed that was, that was death passed upon all men for all have sinned. He was sinless, made of woman, made under the law. Why is that important? Because he, he didn't ignore the law. He wasn't just bypassing the law. What was the law? For the wages of sin is death. So death passed upon all men. He wasn't coming in to say, I'm going to do away with that. No, he had to become flesh to be able to take our place, so signifying the fact that he said, I know that it takes death. And, that's the, and there's the wages of sin is death. For what reason? To redeem them that were under the law. That's us. That we might redeem, receive what? The adoption of sons. The word redeem means to restore, to buy back, to fix what was broken. 
to, to say, I don't, I don't want you being fearful. I don't want you going into a room with a rope around you. I, I don't want you sprinkling blood. I don't want the, the blood of bulls and goats anymore. I, don't, I want to fix that. He came with the mission to redeem that, to restore that, to fix what separates us. And it was called a word that we're very familiar with, which is the adoption of sons. Um, if any of you guys, did any of you guys get the opportunity to watch Life Mark? Any of you guys? Am I the only one in here? Okay. Oh, yeah, you guys were with us. So Life Mark, when, you, when it comes out, it's not in theaters anymore. Life Mark, you guys know Facing the Giants. You guys know uh, War Room and all those other movies that are so popular. Well, they made a new one with Kirk Cameron, and um, it's called Life Mark. And it was over in theaters. So the backstory of that is you say, why is it not in theaters? They could only get in theaters for seven nights, one time a night. That's all they could do. And the reason being is they had to pay the theaters to do it. They had to, they had to push to put it in there. Because of the fact is it was an anti-abortion, pro-adoption uh, movie. And because of that, there were so many controversies. AMC, Marcus, and all of them said, I want, they want nothing. They said, we are not putting that on our name. So they went through an, a third-party company that allowed them to show the movies, and they were more expensive and harder to get and stuff like that, where our, our life group uh, two weeks ago went and saw it. And it was a powerful story, and the whole thing, two-hour movie, was all about the subject of adoption, the power of adoption, about the life that could have been that was restored because it was pulled into a family and transformed like drastically, and it will absolutely bring you to tears and throw your heart to see this movie of how they did it. It was so powerful of this. He said things were broken and messed up, but you were on the wrong path, that he came to redeem us, that we're under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That word adoption literally means that you got what you didn't deserve. You, you got access and relationship, and you got your past forgiven and a fresh start and everything. It was, you could say it means that you'd be placed back in the family. Look at verse 6. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Now, there's so many, so much that. So now this is my position, okay? I'm not, I'm not just not on my way to hell anymore, but I'm placed into a position that I'm adopted as sons. I'm like given a home and I'm, I'm, I'm given a, a identity. I'm given a name. It's like a total transformation of life. And it's all in relationship of Heavenly Father, Sheree? Inheritance. inheritance, yes, we are joint heirs. Now, which literally means everything that the Father has, I get to inherit or step into myself. Absolutely. It, it brings it to a whole nother level. But he, listen, he says, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. It's an inward connection. It's a bond. Now, guys, let me tell you, out of all the names that we had, Nowhere do we hear that he sent the spirit of the Lord of hosts into your hearts or the spirit of Elohim into your hearts. But this one was a connection. This one was a relationship. He said into your hearts where you can cry out, Abba, Father. So it wasn't just the adoption of sons. It wasn't just the redemption. It wasn't just the change of position. But it was crying out as Abba, Father. He said that there was a change. Verse 7, wherefore... Thou art no more servants, but a son. And if a son, like she just said, then you are an heir of God through Christ. We receive heaven. We have eternal life. We have a relationship with him. We have hope. Uh, 
Let, let me explain that when Jesus and the disciples read the Hebrew in the synagogue, they, they, they used um, the, things that we read and things like that in the Bible or Greek and Hebrew. But then there was a third language, which is Aramaic, which would have been more of the common language of what they said. So in, in Hebrew, Ab was father, but Aramaic, Abba is the word derived, but was used almost like baby language or common language or uh, it was it's everyday slang, I guess, if you could. Uh, so it wasn't just when they used to introduce this concept, it wasn't just the idea that he was father, but it was the illustration that he was more like the word that we would say daddy. You know, and I know some people, I grew up in the South, and I know grown adults that still call their dad daddy. I didn't, I didn't do that. So, I mean, if you did that, that's fine with me. It's a close <laughs> it's a name or whatever. I call my, my dad dad. Uh, but I know that a lot of people still call him daddy. And in, but in their, their language, it was more baby language or uh, it, it was, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It was more something you'd say at home, very close. You know, if, if you said that, it was, it was referencing him as daddy. It was, it was symbolizing a very close relationship, but it wasn't something that we adopted. It was something that Jesus gave us. He was even using kind of the common language of their day and said, let me just tell you how close it is between you and God you can call him daddy, or we cry out daddy. And I think even a reference of that, when, you, when a kid gets hurt and, and they start running for it, they, they, have you ever noticed that there could be 50 adults around, and what does that kid do? They, they like a football player. They like push through every single one of those adults. They have to get to mom or dad. That's that place of safety. We do not read about Abba in the Old Testament. We read about father in the illustration and the, the visual of him being over things, but not in that way. The book of Romans is a book of Bible doctrine. And Jesus gave us this principle of his relationship. But Romans explains it even in a deeper level. And you say, well, what do you mean? I, I, I'm trying to bring you guys just to get a big idea that calling him father is huge. It's a big deal. He says in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so you, you were not adopted, you were in the world, you were lost, you were far off, but now you are no condemnation. You say, what does that mean? It, it takes the fear away. It, it changes things. It's, it's no longer me living in fear. And that's what this verse is about to explain to us. It was, there was a transition. I, I, I've said it before, messages before, because we try to make salvation about being conditional. If I do good, he likes me. If I say the right things, he likes me. If I go to church, he likes me. But it wasn't about being conditional. It's about positional. Literally mean I'm now in Christ. Okay, so let me illustrate this on a level that I connect with deeply. I would never allow Jordan, Logan, or Morgan ever to have the mindset that they should be afraid of me. I would never want the mindset with them that they can't approach me. I would never want them to be in my house and have the mindset that they spilled something and they are going to get in trouble and get kicked out of it, that, there is, that, that they're in trouble or they owe me or whatever. There's, and that's the, the mindset he was saying, because you now are made a son of God, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus because we had the debt of sin hanging over our heads all that time. You are now in Christ. You are no longer going to hell. Sin it no longer has authority over you. There's no fear of messing up or being pushed out. There is now no condemnation now. Why? Because you are in Christ. This is, 
Paul takes it even further than this in verse 14. Now, we're in chapter 14, so let me, let me take this deeper. For as many are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. Now, notice the terminology of what he's saying. So to have the mindset of the Old Testament of being fearful to approach God or fearful of messing up or fearful of being rejected in any way, he said, you have not received that again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, this, is, this sounds familiar because we just read it in Ephesians and we're paralleling this passage, but he's, he's making a declaration that you need to not only view him as your heavenly father, but you need to view you as a child of God. That is the relationship, because sometimes it's like, he's my heavenly father, and that's a great visual. And he reciprocates it by turning around and saying, yes, and you're my child. And if we have that mindset, my, my kids, I mean, they, they know the relationship that they have. They know that it's not conditional in their life. Why? Because I, I reinstate the love that I have for them, and I, I, I've never threatened them in that way to kick them out. Well, I've thought about it. Never mind. <laughs> Kids get older, and sometimes they can get annoying. I've got stories, but I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> they know that I love them because they're their, I'm their dad, but what does that mean for them? It means that they have direct access to me. Think about it. As, as father, as a, they have direct access to me. And uh, me, me and uh, Mr. Tenney were talking about, Mike Tenney were talking about this before the thing, because I was asking him if he grabbed the... Uh, the prayer list before we started in here. And I said, Mike, Mike, Mike. And then I said, Mr. Tenney. And then he turned right around like that. And he said, it reminded me when my kids were little, he said, my kids would yell out and say, Mr. Tenney, if they were really trying to get my attention. I laughed and I said, do you know how my kids get my attention at home? They'll say, dad, 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 Pastor Tony. And then like, <laughs> like the radar goes off, like I was going. And, and I know they're not doing it like out of respect for my position at the church. They're doing it sarcastically, like, like, anyways. Uh, but they know that they have access to me. I, I can tell you guys, uh, I, I don't get to answer my phone all the time just because a lot of times I'm doing this kind of stuff and things like that. But I can tell you, if my kids call, there, there's, a, there's a higher priority on that, especially in light of everything that's going on in our family. It's it's, it, they have direct access to me. There's, there's a mindset of that. They, they know they can call on me anytime as their dad. Uh, Jordan the other day needed something, and, he, and, and somebody else told me about this, and he said, you know what, I'll call my dad. My dad will help me with this. And they said it was so neat because Jordan said it was so much confidence. He, he said, I don't know if my dad would help, or I don't know. He goes, he just said point blank. He said, I'll call my dad. I know my dad would help. And there's a confidence level. Why? Because there's a tight relationship there. Now, if it was anybody else, and I'm saying you guys all are my kids, and I know they have been in this church and everything, but even with some of you guys, they would be like, I'll, I could call. I don't, I don't know. They might help. They, there's a chance. But that's not true with me because they know that they have that connection with me. They know that they can mess up, and I won't disown them. They, can, they know they always have a place to come home. It's positional, not conditional. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again unto, unto fear. What is the opposite of fear? Peace. peace. That's, my, that's their position, is peace. That's, that's, I can lay my head out at night and know that it's peace. Uh, why? Because you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Father. The spirit, little s, 
And then you've got the big S there that you see that of, uh, of the difference. The spirit of bondage is the attitude or the mindset again into fear. But the spirit of adoption, capital S, means what, guys? It's the Holy Spirit of God. That, that is the presence of God with me, the comforter that come to, uh, to live inside me. So the spirit, uh, the spirit itself bears witness with my spirit that we are the children of God. It bears witness. It testifies. There's a relationship. There's evidence there. Um, last night was our last normal night for a while for us, so we don't know what to expect. But we had uh, Tuesday night that we were going to do a family night. And so because um, uh, tomorrow... Uh, Logan goes in for surgery for a port. They're going to put a chemo port in his chest, and he has to be anesthesia and stitches and incisions and all that stuff. It's something that he's needed for a while, but they just have been able to do it. And so we don't know what the next couple of days and with work schedules and things like that. And then he goes in for a CT on Monday. If things are bad, it means that he's going to be admitted and they start the hard chemo. And we go back to where we were last year when we first started this with him being sick and all that other stuff. So it's like a lot of uncertainties. And so I said, I went home early last night and we did like a six hour family night. We went out to dinner. We, we went out for coffee together. We went out for dessert together. We did an escape room together. And it was fun because we sat at the, uh, we went out to dinner and we sat at the table. And once we finished our meals, we sat there for like another half hour. And we just talked and we were laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing. And then we went outside and Jordan drove separately and we we're standing outside and we're laughing. And I mean, it's just, it was just a really special time for us being together. And, and the thing about it is, is because we're a close knit family, there's inside jokes. There's, you know, things that we know there's, there's no, I, I can't believe you said that, or that's not politically correct. Or, you know, there's, there's none of that because there's a close relationship there. But the, the, the illustration that I would use is the fact that my spirit would bear witness or connects with their spirit. And, and the, somebody could walk by and say, well, you guys must be a family. How oh, did you know that? I could just tell by the way that you react. That's what God has given us. That's what that verse is talking about. He says that, he, that, that my spirit bears witness with his spirit. It's not just a matter of, I hope he's okay with me and I hope God's not upset and I hope that I'm not. No, there's something that happens inside of me that gives me that peace and confidence that my spirit connects with his spirit. And I know that I, 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 have, I am a child of God. Put this in there, it finishes this in that passage with this about how secure we are in this. Because he says in Romans 8.35, and who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then there's a list that goes on beyond it. Nothing. Nothing can separate. Nothing can undo that. There's now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. It's unconditional, unchanging love that we have. In this position as a child of God, God has this working in our lives and we constantly draw closer and closer to him. It never stops, it never stops. That is, that is a relationship that God established through his life and now through our life of him being our heavenly father and it never stops. He constantly keep growing through it. And I say that with this because there is one aspect of it that I think messes people up. And that is the fact that maybe some of you grew up with a dad that you say, when I think of the word dad or daddy or father, whatever, I don't have happy thoughts. And I know that. I've had so many people, I've preached this before, different aspects of Father's Day and stuff like that. And they say, man, when you talk about, man, God loves you even more than your father, which is in heaven. 
I don't get that because my dad was a jerk or my dad was abusive or my dad was verbally abusive and things like that and it's tough. I, I, I want you to know that the, the, the standard in which we set for the illustration of love should be God and not the earthly relationship. So you've got you've to put your focus on the one that set the example, not the one that didn't set the example, if that makes sense. Because sometimes you're like, man, I don't know if I can trust God and do this. Now, you go to these verses that illustrate what a father is. And every time a young man comes to me to tell me those illustrations of like that, I said, now you have the spirit of God that bears witness with your spirit that you are the child of God. And old things are passed away. You can start anew and, and demonstrate to your kids the illustration of a father that God wants us to have. And it doesn't have to be where your past or your past relationship with your dad defines you. You don't have to have that. Let me finish with one last verse that summarizes this so well. 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because they knew Him not. But the word bestow or lavished upon us. It's all tied around one major theme. And it's the love of God. It's, it's the reason when you think of love and you think of family and you think of the theme of all those things of what should be there, it's love. And, and the Bible reiterates that. And he says, the reason you're a child of God, the reason that you were far off and brought in the family and restored, and it went from uh, p- uh, conditional to positional and all those other things wraps around one thing is he absolutely loves you. He loves you. And when you think of Heavenly Father, you should think of I'm loved, I'm accepted, I'm desired. And I think of me as a dad, because you guys know that my life has changed so much. I have a 21-year-old and a 19-year-old, and I've got a junior in high school. And it is, it is so different than it was 10 years ago. You, you know, I was like, get in the van, we're going out for ice cream. Dad, you're the best. You know, like, <laughs> not anymore. Dad, are we getting steak? You know, it's just like, oh, it's, it's changed so much is for our relationship and you know, uh, I mean, my, my kids are like adults and all that stuff. And it just, do you know the greatest blessing that I could possibly have out of anything that I can do in this world today? Blessing is just sitting at a table with my kids. I can't, I can't tell you guys, I didn't know that was such a big deal before. I mean, I know it was a big deal, but I'm just saying when they're there every night and you have to clean up afterwards, and you spilled your milk, or like, quit playing with your mashed potatoes, you know, all those other things. I wasn't sitting there going, this is so great, God. You know, it was like, I didn't think of it like that. I just didn't know. Until I'm calling Jordan saying, hey, bud, it was like, what are you doing tomorrow night? Why don't you come over for dinner? I'll, I'll talk to mom. I promise you she'll make you whatever you want if you come over for dinner. Why don't you come over for dinner? Come over for dinner. You know, I just, I'm like, come over for dinner. You're like, I, I just want it. Bad, so bad. And, 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 and Jesus, when he was talking, he, he said, if you as a good father know how to give good gifts to your son, how much more does your heavenly father? So even the, the illustration of me with my connection with my kids, it's, it's limited compared to what God says. Is my love for you is so much greater than that. So never get the idea that I pray before my heavenly father and I'm just bugging him. He takes joy in us. He takes joy in you sitting down at that table of grace and fellowshipping with Him because He is your Heavenly Father and you are a child of God.